Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. They've supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. And for that reason, they've teamed up with Saracens and England hooker Jamie George. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck, the Times and Sunday Times weekly podcast. Here for you for the rest of the season and throughout the Lions Tour. Uh, Please subscribe to us on iTunes. It's free. Uh, Please send comments to us. Uh, Today's panel, we always try to get you a a stellar group of rugby's finest commentators. Sadly, it doesn't always work. Uh, But this week, we've got Arthur Lowe of The Times. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex Lowe of The Times. Always very tempting to... Name him after his father, Arthur. Um, if you remember, uh, Alex's dad, Arthur, played that great character, Mr. Swindley, in Coronation Street, and also clearly Captain Mannering in Dad's Army. Alex, um, on a, on a, on a sombre note, you were involved in a serious incident at Twickenham, uh, which has been known as Shirtgate. Could you explain exactly what happened? Were you attacked when your shirt was ripped off? I was. I was attacked by the commemorative gates on the west end, the Rose and Poppy gates. Just left having given Ian Ritchie a, a real tough time at their weekly yeah. briefing. And then the RFU got their own back by ripping the back of my shirt off as I left the, left the stadium. Was it a terminal um, terminal damage? It was, yeah. Okay, it well, was. we never liked that, that shirt anyway. <laughs> um, welcome, Alex. Uh, also with us, Adam Hathaway. We like to have someone from the edgy end of the market with us, and <laughs> there's no one more edgy than, uh, than Adam. Uh, one of the genuine uh, freelance beastie boys and, uh, of the red top market. Uh, Friday night, Adam, as, a, as an owner, uh, the owner of the Greyhound, Ninja Rascal, who ran at Crayford, was kind enough to give me a tip. He used the expression, nailed on winner. <laughs> I put a tenner on on my, on my account, came second, and actually ran not so much like Ninja Rascal as Ninja Turtle. Uh, any excuses, Ed? <laughs> sorry, for, sorry for making a dent in your Garcia winnings from the Masters. Mm. No excuses, but... I think they're sending Eddie Jones down to the kennels because he's a bit like Courtney Laws. We know there's a big dog in there. (laughs) Eddie's done a trick with Courtney, so maybe you can do the trick with Rascal. Okay, a little bit too late for my tenor, but there we are. Also, we've got Al Dimmock from Rugby World making a very, very uh, welcome reappearance. 
Al, just to be serious for a moment, um, I think as a Scot, not as a token Scot, but as a Scot, we should just say, <laughs> ask you to comment on uh, on the Lion selection. There's been a heck of a lot of bile from Scots since it came out. Uh, I was accused of hating Scotland, which was news to my Scottish wife. Uh, at least I think it was news to her. Uh, what, what, where do you stand on it? Yeah, thank you for chucking me into this minefield. Um, <laughs> a lot of the problem is, is that people have decided that there should be some sort of minor level representation they should have at least a certain number in my head I would have before before all the selections were made I would have said that two was a fair representation I kind of stick to that as well the problem is is that they've decided that when they they chop this up that there should be that certain level of representation for other nations as well I think the 50-50 calls when they've come down to Speaking personally, when it comes down to, say, for example, Dan Bigger, uh, the choice of him over... A lot of people are saying Finn Russell, but actually, when you look at it, you could say that it's because it appears like the game plan A, the game plan a is to try and smash up the All Blacks, game plan B is to try game plan A a little bit harder. <laughs> and if they tried to do something different, it probably would have been George Ford that they'd picked over Finn Russell. However, on the other side of that coin... And I heard Graham Rowntree speak really well about this after the selection. He said, look, there is no quota system. Just because there wasn't a Scottish voice in the room saying we should have this player put forward. That's a valid point, And I think that it's, it's very fair for the coaches to say that. However, you can't know what you can't know. So, for example, when it came down to that 50-50 call, did they know which one of the Scottish players was great to have in a squad when the chips are down? Which guy was always upbeat? Which guy was always great when things were getting tough? The guy who actually chucked, and I hate the word, but chucked around the banter and the change room they can't they can't know that sort of finer detail however i think it's look at it they've only got five second rows uh, for the tour it's a long old tour those things are going to change um scotland are going to be in singapore for the first week of their tour that's only a few hours away uh, via flight so actually things might work out okay when replacements are called in well, I think that's the the best summary of uh, of that debunking half of it and upholding the other half that, that I've heard. So thanks very much, Al. Four semi-finals on the weekend. Uh, I think those people who always insist that necessarily international rugby is better than top club rugby had something to reckon with because I absolutely loved all four games. Alex, you were in um, Dublin for that uh, am amazing game. What are the impressions have you taken away? Well, the first thing you talk about test rugby against European club rugby, one thing you don't get in test rugby is the colour and the noise that we had in Dublin and in, in France for the Claremont game. Just an incredible passion, atmosphere, a wonderful friendship. You just don't get that explosion of colour and noise in, in test rugby. On the field, um, Saracens were just, they were Saracens, they were magnificent. They, it wasn't a, wasn't a free-flowing, uh, thrilling game, but it was compelling, it was intense, and I, I loved it. And I thought... The way Saracens withstood that wave of emotion from, from Munster, which they were always going to bring. Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, that doesn't carry you through, through 80 minutes against a team as pragmatic and defiant as Saracens. And the way they chiseled away, the way they, they also remained composed, having blown three really good chances, which mm. is not, that's a very un-Saracens un thing to do, to then pull clear. Second, at half-time, it was, it was always going to be their game, I felt. And Billy Vunipola said afterwards, they're a team that everyone hates. So actually, I think that might have been the case. I think when the way that they, when they relaunched this new Saracens, with the way it happened, uh, the salary cap allegations, all of that kind of stuff, they were a team, they were a club that people didn't necessarily like. I don't understand now how anyone cannot 
um, at the very least, respect everything they stand for. Um, the players as the players as players, the players as people, the coaching setup, the innovation that they've brought. Um, they, they were often a kind of a counterculture club. Um, Ed Griffiths liked; you know, he wanted a red pitch at, at Allianz Park. He wanted to do everything a bit different, rub people up the wrong way. But those differences, that different approach to, to management, which I think businesses around the, the country should, should follow the idea that you treat your employees as people and uh, as well as players, which is one of the reasons they're all off Good. sunning it in Barcelona at the moment. I think they are they, they set the standards in, in Europe. Uh, um, Adam, um, amazing. Uh, I don't think uh, anyone else would say that the, the, the sole arbiter of rugby opinion is Twitter, but there is an amazing ambivalence minimum to, to Saracens and I mean, people say to me like yeah but when they get these 70,000 crowds some of the tickets are cut price well yeah do, 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 do you just want the rugby to be you know 200 blokes in, in suits and ties or something like that what's your view of Saracens like as Alex said picking up on this people are kind of ambivalent towards them um, it's complete jealousy um, what they do at uh Wembley once a year when they get or it's only 70,000 issues normally 80 because it clashed with the Bath game at Twickenham yeah. it's fantastic and if they're letting people in for nothing who gives them monkeys it's more people who are watching the game as for their methods are slightly different to other clubs and they are all on the res in Barcelona at the moment and good luck to them if they're, they're European champions and they probably will be again this year well I think the interesting one is we talked about the, the level of players they've got and it's, it's you know saying don't panic is actually quite a lot of it because Owen Farrell's always going to keep you in a game of rugby, be it Test rugby or elite European rugby. He's always going to keep you in the mix. And you know, Munster for all they did, they they played right into Saracens' hands. You know, the the sheer number of passes they gave were not enough. One out runners to players like CJ Stander, as impressive as he is, is not the way that you play against Saracens. You know, they've got good young halfbacks, and Duncan Williams has had a fine season. With a lot of people have talked about Connor Murray um, and his injuries and whether he's going to be fit for the Lions or not. But actually, Duncan Williams has had a fine season. But him and Blaine Dow, as much as they tried to move everything about, they needed to use the ball more, and Saracens just ate that up. I, I think actually that there was a heck of a noise and the Munster fans were, were brilliant but uh, I think the noise slightly wavered when people realised that this, this relentless hammer, hammer, hammer that Munster were doing actually um, Saracens were completely unfazed they got up and regrouped uh, def the defence you know, uh, Paul Gustav, the defensive coach is gone yet they're defending as well as anyone Yes, Al? And there's one more thing of that as well and uh, people talk about Saris and how they've got all these big, big name players that are worth a lot of money. Actually, their player of the season has probably been Michael Rhodes so far, and he is just an absolute warrior. He always seems to be the second player that's there when another uh, member of the team makes a break, and he epitomises everything that's been fantastic mm. ab about them this season, and he, he deserves more accolades. I, I've got player I think that deserves more accolades as well, because he's close to now, in my opinion, being the most remarkable player I've ever seen, that Shelk Brits. I mean, the guy is now not in the first flush of youth. When he starts, he plays really Really well. When he comes on, he unfallibly makes a difference to, to, to that game. And the guy's got such talent. He's got pace. He's got great hands. He's got vision. He's also a really decent hooker. And I just think we should enjoy this guy while, while, while he's there because I think he's an absolute force of nature. And I'd, I'd pay to watch to watch Schalke if he's playing. I don't care if the other 29 are not very good. Let's just um, reflect on the Lions a second because we can't not talk about the Lions. Uh, what evidence? do we have on the weekend that that party was either wrong or correct uh, Alex um, well I'll just mention Stander I think he he just came back from injury and I, he was 
and he scored the try at the end, but he was playing number eight against opposite Billy Vunapola and the performances were pulled apart. I thought it, the, the, the Irish reporters were telling me that he's he's still struggling with that ankle injury, so he had no power, uh, no, he, he couldn't accelerate off it. Well, that was plain to see because you, you look at the way that Billy drags his team with him compared to, to Stander, who I thought had a, had a, a poor game. Um, they definitely missed Murray. Uh, in, in that game, his, his control at the bases and his kicking game is huge. I, I, I'd say that uh, I, I'm pleased to assure that Stander was was injured or not not quite his best because he was completely and utterly obliterated from the game. And actually, I thought O'Mahony was had no um, nothing really there at all. So I hope they were both injured. And um, I'll. Um, uh, front row, your area of expertise just going on to Claremont. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, rather disturbing to see the Claremont pack occasionally turn over the two lines props up there? Well, yeah, I mean, those of me that know me, they'll know that I've had a, a, a sort of long standing love affair with David Zurakashvili, who's the Georgian tight head for, yeah, for Claremont. That, actually, we didn't like to mention it. And, well, I mean, if, I, I've never met the guy. I've, I've actually, I actually once wrote a study of him from afar, which sounds a bit like I'm a stalker. Well, I think yeah. I kind of am, uh, yeah. for Dato, as he's known. Um, yeah. And he and Claremont. They've just got this incredible pack. Um, the way that they can play, it seems like they've been around forever. Zirkash really looks about 90. He's actually only 33 years old. Mm. And these guys, I think a lot, what a lot of people are saying in Ireland is that it's accumulative fatigue for guys like Mag- Jack McGrath, who's put in a long season, you know, um, a lot of performances in Europe and for Ireland. But it, it showed, it really showed at the end of the game. And Claremont just have these monsters that they can bring off the bench. Is he married, uh- Dato? Dato is married, yes. He is married. It's <laughs> unlucky there, mate. There we go. Okay. Oh. There, were, there were a few performances from players who weren't picked in the Lions mm. who if, who uh, might be regretful that the squad wasn't being picked this week rather than last week. Gary Ringrose being, mm. being one of them. Simon Zebo, another one who in, in Dublin I, I thought was excellent. I thought Alex Good had a very good game for, for Saracens, but Zebo w- w- was particularly good for for Munster um, and yeah so if the squad was being picked this week the, the clamour for those two would be, would be would be pretty great I think I mean you, you mentioned earlier that there might be moments of the weekend I think Gary Ringrose's try for Leinster is one of the tries of the season it's like he's got hips made of jelly just the way that he managed to slip through that gap chuck a dummy and race through I mean he, he could be called in if there are injuries with the Lions but I think the thing is that everyone can agree on is this kid's future is ridiculous mm. it, it always feels lazy to just go oh he's the new Brian O'Driscoll but every time he plays it seems almost impossible to not make those comparisons because he mm. does the way he, he runs the way he finds space that try he scored took you straight back to that Lions test against, in, against Australia, against Australia yeah. 2001 it's just there's just something about him that, that really does mirror the way that O'Driscoll played the game I'll be uh, not going off the high board on Ringrose, so that's 3-1 in favour of Ringrose. I won't be going off the high board for a bit. I don't think he uh, was quite there, but uh, I've been proved wrong before once. Um, <laughs> any Lions stood up for you, Adam? Well, from from Dublin, the uh, obviously the two Vunapoda brothers, we, we, we all love them, but it's I thought, I thought yeah, Itoje had an absolute stormer, back to his best, because um, he's had a couple of quiet games, especially... When he was playing at six during the Six Nations, he um, I mean, he's got to stay fit for that tour. Yeah. I think he's straight in the t- in the test team. Um, 
So Gatland will be keeping his fingers crossed over the next couple of weeks. He was absolutely astonishing. Right, let's just move on. It'd be very, very remiss not to mention uh, Gloucester's excellent win at La Rochelle. Always, I mean, they are the top of the French table. Gloucester went there and won, and what a great effort for them and their supporters get a day out uh, for the Shield, uh, sorry, the Challenge Cup final on Friday in, uh, nights in Edinburgh. So that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, as for Bath, um, absolutely staggering game against Stade Francais. Uh, Bath were well out of it. They were getting hammered. They came surging back and Stade Francais was suddenly getting hammered. Then we had this absolutely awful George Ford nightmare at the end where for some reason I don't understand they went for a short kickoff uh, um, onside kick as they call it in American football didn't go 10 uh, they then mucked up the next play horrendously George sadly missed the kick that would take them to extra time anyone any thoughts on that because Bath must be sore as hell I've, I've got one question actually and it's for, for the older gentlemen in the room do you must uh, how, do you, you, how do you Sorry. how do you feel about the resurgence of the drop goal because this is a weekend where um, for Claremont there was a couple for Camille Lopez um, Plisson scored a beautiful drop goal to edge Stad away and that I mean Hathers how do you feel about seeing I've, the resurgence I've, of the drop goal well, you spying on me last night because I've done a bit of research on this. Um, last season in the Premiership, there were just four drop goals in the, in the entire campaign. This season, Premiership clubs have scored nine drop goals in every competition. George Ford's got four of them. Um, it seems to have gone out of fashion. Um, but as yesterday showed, it's a great way of keeping the scoreboard going over. I mean, just ask Johnny Wilkinson. England lived on that for a while. OK, next. Uh, something bizarre happened last week. Um... Eddie Jones spent ages uh, justifying or explaining his selection for the England tour of Argentina. And after an hour's explanation, no one was any the wiser. It's either a bunch of uh, the older players in their 30s or um, a bunch of real youngsters, as Blackadder once said. Never mind Pitt the Younger. This is Pitt the Even Younger and Pitt the Embryo. Um, two, two curry... Twins, uh, the Times told us about them the other week. Uh, is it Piers Brosnan, the, the, the number eight? <laughs> uh, so what's the, what's, sorry, the, the fly half? Piers uh, Francis. Yeah, Piers I mean, Francis. I have to say, joking apart, what Josh Beaumont, Danny Cipriani, Dan Robson, Joe Simpson, Tom Taylor, and all these guys who are allegedly queered their pitch in some way, what they think about it is nobody's business. I think is grossly unfair. I think there's an, a, an explanation which doesn't hold water. Um, Adam, you're going down uh, as our representative in Argentina. Yep. What do you make of it? I'm as flabbergasted as you, even four days on or whatever it is. I mean, there's even guys like Timana Harrison, who's been, he was in the Six Nations training squad. Um, Mike Williams seems to have been chucked out with the washing. I don't know what sort of conversation Eddie had with these lads, because if you're in a, an EPS squad that was announced on New Year's Eve... You probably think you've got a fair chance with 16 blokes going on the Lions tour. You probably think you've got a fair chance of going to Argentina with England, and instead he's brought in 15 uncapped players, um, a handful of teenagers, and I just can't work it out. I'll do it. Just, just a huge raft of. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Reese Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, we've been up and running for about six years now and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Players left at home where you think that he would love to be out there, uh, to have them out there with the coaches working. Well, I think the thing as well is that they're, they're only taking two hookers and they're only taking two scrum halves with them, which for experience for some people, if you've got these guys that are on the fringes, you mentioned Tommy Taylor there, for mm. example, you know, he's been just, he seems to have been leapfrogged by Luke Cowan Dickey, but you, to think that you can have a player get in front of you in the pecking order but still be able to train with them to show your worth, particularly on a tour abroad, which you won't have had the experience of, you know, those are the kind of things where you can shape a player's future. To chuck them out and not have them in and then say, actually, what happens if we've got an injury and someone goes down and training? Then you've got to haul someone out. That's the thing. Dan Robson at Scrum Half as well. And you think, this is a valuable experiences for these guys. The other thing is, with, I mean, talking of experience, he's got guys there with 70-odd caps who surely he knows, he must know all about them. I, mean, look, I, don't, I don't disagree with taking, I think you take, take your strongest side. It, it is an international match. You, 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 you're betraying the ethos if you don't pick the strongest side you've got. I don't mind them coming, but surely, you know, Danny Kerr's been around ages. Surely we should have found out whether Dan Robson can, can, um, can, can, can step, step up there. You know, I, I just think it really, really infuriating. I think there are some omissions and you wonder whether Eddie has now made his final decision he's, he's decided that Marlon Yard isn't going to cut it for him through to the World Cup has he decided Tim Arnold Harrison isn't going to cut it to him through to the World Cup so there's a few there Mike Williams who's trained with them for, for the whole year is now not going again has he just decided he's actually not, not good enough so there's a group you could that's the only conclusion you can really draw um, there are other pl- young players who I think are, are right to be involved um, I know that that the England set up have a feeling that uh, Izzy Equi, this 19-year-old Saracens lock, has every chance of being one of these bolters that squeezes into the World Cup squad. If that's their view, it's a good chance to go and have a look at him. Um, Nathan Earl's another. It's a good chance to look at him. But I just think 
there, there are too there are too many holes in the selection that don't that, that, that you know you can't join up the dots and the explanations as ever with Eddie just don't that aren't good enough to give to give a full explanation as to what his his thinking is. I think you can pick a very strong team out there while also giving some chances to players like Alex Zalski, who I I think is, is a perfect opportunity for him to start a test match. But there are others, Pierce Francis, for example, who's not not young. Um, I'm not quite sure why he's going. His whole year has been based around playing for the Auckland Blues against against the Lions. Having seen him play for Edinburgh, I'm as perplexed as you. Are. Well, he's he, so he's missing that opportunity. He's going to go on tour, but he's behind George Ford, Alex Zazowski, Henry Slade, Sam James. I just and I cannot see him at the moment, given the age profile which Eddie put so much stock in making the World Cup squad and so there are too many bemusing selections for me Can I have a crack at the suits here as well because um, where I think they've fouled up the tour for Eddie is that they should have had an extra game when we went there in 2013 they had a, a game in Uruguay in the middle of the jungle which is fantastic which is when you could find out about these younger players because Steve's right they'll, they'll go and they play test rugby so let's win them as well Oh, dear, no. I mean, I, I, the midweek games, people have turned up their noses now, but God, over the years, we found such valuable information from, from those games. All right, so, uh, Adam, we look forward to your, to your reports and uh, look forward to the answer to all these questions that we're asking. I uh, just want to move on to something else now. I've got some unlikely heroes to put to you, uh, panel. Uh, I'm just thinking of uh, the refereeing of the two games, the two big games on Saturday and refereeing lately. I don't think refereeing has ever been in such good hands at the very top level. The World Cup was was, was, was well done. And when you are at a place like uh, the Aviva Stadium and you see what refs have to put up with, every time there was a contact by a, by a Saracens player, for instance, 50,000 people all roared as if it was if it was a savage assault it's very difficult not to react to it I thought Roman Poit was absolutely outstanding I would add to his name uh, obviously Wayne Barnes uh, Nigel Owens um, uh, Roman Poit obviously uh, Jerome Gasses, uh, Pascal Gozer and Jaco Paper I mean that's most of them are Northern Hemisphere but just some terrific referees and I, I'm the biggest critic of refs I really admire them I thought Nigel Owens had an excellent game I thought they, he and the TMO got the key decision out Absolutely right when O'Reilly and Rougerie was clearly uh, obje- uh, obstructed and they went through the hole there. Now, lads, how know it goes against the grain, but am, am, I, uh, am I correct here? And also, am I correct in thinking there's a huge gap to the others? But the, these guys are superstars in their way. Yeah, I think absolutely. And uh, some of the names, that, I think one of the things as well is that these guys, as modern referees, are approachable. They've got a good rapport with the players. I think that's actually so much of it. You can't watch a game that Wayne Barnes is in and not hear him talking to people at the break at the breakdown, letting people know exactly where they stand. Because sometimes, you know, if you're completely authoritarian and people, that's when people say, why was that decision given? And that's where you get the rancour with fans. I think... They all have differing styles as well. That's the thing. There's no one box ticked by every single one of them that's exactly the same. Um, so, for example, Owens is, is famous for letting the game play, and we will see him in the the um, Champions Cup final because uh, because obviously Barnes and the French referees cannot referee those those finals. However, uh, and, you know he lets the game go. Barnes has got a good intuitive nature with the players. Um, Poit is fantastic with the scrum. You know, I just think they all offer something different. And you're right; it's it's a brilliant time to be to be a player with these referees. Right, uh, Adam, you're a laws expert. What 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 do you think? Well, the only the only thing that disappoints me is when uh, referees start coaching players. If a bloke's offside, just penalise him. 
Oh, instead of telling him to. Oh no, I agree with that. That's yeah. not. But Al's saying you know communication is everything. But I, I agree. I, I just think that if you're saying to a guy right number six, get up, stop lying on the ball. Well, you've given him two chances, and he's mm. he's laid on the ball. That's a penalty. Why should you, know. you get two chances? Alex, a, 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 a front row uh, citizen like yourself, you a wide ranging view of the game from up there. What what do you think of the referees at the moment? I, I would agree with you. I think if you look at. I think Nigel Owens was absolutely the right man to do the last World Cup final. Mm. I think if the next World Cup was now, Wayne Barnes would would get that gig, assuming England weren't, weren't in it. I thought, if you go back to the Six Nations, the way he handled that whole episode in Paris, just clear thinking, good communication, um, under in, in, immense pressure because it was a unique situation for players and, and, uh, and Wayne Barnes himself. Um, I think he now sets the standards for them all. The, the scrum is a is a fascinating area of the game, which is really hard to, to to referee because you can only you can only stand on one side. But I think they now work better as a team than ever. They're, these teams of officials, their communication is great. Mm. Communication with the TMO, as you mentioned in the, in the Claremont game, they just they just work well to make the right decisions and I, and I, I agree that the top team uh, are, are probably better than they have been there is a there is a drop off um, for sure but, but yeah the, these guys who are going to be in charge of the, the big games at the big end of competitions are magnificent it's great because over the years we've just been sat there panicking the referee's going to decide it you know I, I'd add Luke Pearson JP Toll in my own opinion but not, not everybody might agree with that so well done referees keep going and I'm sorry but all those years we criticised you Andre Watson anyone well that's not even funny <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to move on now to the Guinness Pro 12. Um, I think they got 21 lines between them from that division, which which is not bad. Uh, always a, a bone of contention, the, the Pro 12, because I don't think it's as on, in any way as honestly played as the Premiership, but, but in the sense that... Um, you know, your best team's your best team and you have to field it and batter, batter, batter through when there's no relegation or et cetera and when uh, qualification is easy, you don't. But uh, having said that, um, it's going to be a great, great um, climax to the season. On the final week, uh, rather cleverly, the mark of the tiers have, this is on May the 6th, by the way, um, it's all uh, all derbies. So we've got Treviso Zebra, Munster Connaught, Scarlet's Ospreys, Edinburgh Glasgow, Ulster Leinster Newport versus Cardiff or rather the Dragons versus the Blues now that is an obvious market employed but but really good looking forward to that this week uh, it's Ospreys versus Ulster um, Ospreys are down they have to pull themselves up because they are fourth in the table uh, if they win this they should go through to the playoffs Al what's the current state of play some of it is exciting some of it not some of it is I mean I think the, the two Irish provinces that you saw uh, in the semi-finals of the Champions Cup there have been almost entirely running the show for the for the full season. They've they've done fantastic fantastically well. I think that as I, as I mentioned last time I was on this podcast, Leinster are top of the were to, are top of the league for a reason because they've got all these young guys that shone in in that game uh, in the uh, the Champions Cup there at the weekend because they have this level of talent. Whereas Munster have been just raw passion for the entire year and everyone's been caught up in it neutrals alike I think the thing is is that actually when it comes down to the playoffs there is a bit a bit of a section there so you mentioned Ospreys and Ulster those guys have still got something to play for Glasgow look like they're out of it 
out of the running for the playoffs. However, if they perform well and defeat Leinster um, on Friday night, they can actually do Munster a favour and let Munster leapfrog Leinster if, Le- if Munster do well at the weekend themselves. So there's still some shaking about to go. You're right about Ospreys and Ulster. These two teams in the Pro 12 for the last few years have flattered to deceive. Ulster just seem to have had this horrible barren patch. Ospreys have had a hiccup of late and they need to get their finger out to get going you mentioned the lines that are in there I think for a lot of these teams because it's almost completely decided at the top of the table performances are to get in good form for going on that plane to New Zealand mm-hmm. I just wish that uh, the pro Child would stop um, uh, mooting ridiculous partnerships like with South Africa and North America which te- plainly does, don't work well I think the thing work, think work to get work to get a London presence in the tournament I mean they could they could have that if, if they really wanted I think the thing is actually when they talk about it's almost people flying a kite when they talk about South Africa Mm. and America I remember getting in touch with someone in America to say look have you heard anything about this from one of the the major cities that they were talking about they said we have no one has got in touch with us about any of this it's just throwing something up the flagpole and seeing how people react to it but I suppose the thing is actually it's more important than any of that is for them to sort out what's going on in Italy because at the moment they've got Sebri who players not getting paid players getting mistreated players not knowing what their future is guys dropping out halfway through the season to retire and go back to the country they came from because they'd rather that than mm. stay at the club. There's a lot of talk going about saying why do they not have a franchise in Rome? Because people would much rather go for a week, a long weekend in Rome than they would to go into Parma. Parma's lovely, by the way. I have absolutely no problem with Parma whatsoever. But I think they need to sort out their house before they start chucking out and saying, well, maybe we can start streaming games on this social media platform. Maybe we can start playing games abroad as the Premiership have done because they just don't have the foothold yet. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's, yourself out first and, and, and just one, two, one thing we come to uh, to Arthur in a minute but uh, this zebra these zebra young forwards uh, Adam what, how do you think how do you rate them isn't all this um, Italy thing that Al's talking about um, isn't that part of Conroy Show's remit he's going to go down there try and concentrate all his all the Italian players in one team and, make, and just use them as a sort of Italian squad feeder yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Ben Kay did a column in the Times just before the England-Italy game in which he was proposing exactly that, that mm. the idea that Italy's best way forward is to try and copy what Argentina are doing, um, which is tricky for Argentina because they're, they're losing players. The old Facundo has, has, has left Argentina because he's got a big contract in Europe. But in general, the idea that if you concentrate the, the Italian national team into one franchise, you can then all, you have coaching, continuity, you have familiarity, um, and it would be the best thing for, for Italian rugby and, and for Italy's presence in, in the Pro 12. I think one of the problems with that actually is, is that a large part of what goes on in Italian rugby below the top tiers is in some respects, some minor respects, similar to what happens in South Africa and that people operate in regions. So when you come to that, these people all get a say in what the future go, where the future goes. So for example, there's a junior academy with some of the finest young players in Italy near, near Parma. So you've got that. And then how do you say from that, right, okay, you've got to travel to this part of the country, you've got to travel to that part. And when I went out to, to Italy to, to sit down with Conor Shea and Stephen Abood, who looks after youth and um, the, the levels of rugby and looking after coaching and, and the such, like the, the problem is, is that they want to take what they've got and improve on it. So they want to get a stability there before they move on. I think 
a lot of people were talking about throwing the baby out with the bathwater with a lot of that, and there, there's reticence with that. However, if Pro 12 make a decision in the next couple of years when the contracts are up to say, well, look, we strongly suggest you have a different franchise somewhere else, then it all comes up for discussion. Thank you. I think Adam was interesting on the Zebra uh, Young Forge there. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. I was yeah. watching him on video last night. No, I know. I know. <laughs> we were talking about it before we came on. Just, just go to the Premiership, lads. We're at the, uh, at the um, uh, sharp end of it now. Um, uh, battle for the big four uh, last four is very much on uh, sadly Bristol uh, the dice cast for them they, they go back down I'm sure they'll bounce straight back um, London Irish almost certain to join uh, the premiership um, not yet certain at all that um, that Saracens will be in the top they've got Bristol and Wasps to play you could probably see Wasps and Exeter both sorry Exeter winning their last two games I think Saracens might finish up third but you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against them going anywhere and winning in a semi-final what, do you, do you mean, I mean, I'm going to Exeter this week in Northampton, and uh, however great Saris are, they will have to be flat out if they go away to Exeter. There's no doubt about that. Alex, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I would agree. Exeter had a slow start, didn't they, to the season? But they've 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 picked up now. I just think Saracens have this. You know, if they can go to the Aviva Stadium and quieten fifty thousand. Munsterman, um, they can go to Sandy Park. I mean, I'm not saying they would mm. necessarily; it wouldn't be a, a walkover, but they they have it, and they just have they just have that momentum. And and um, who is it who talked after the game? Mako. It was Mako who talked after the game about that they're in this to create their own legacy, and they've got every chance now of think of the, the great English club teams um, who've dominated their era Bath and, and Leicester and, and Saracens now they just have as we discussed at, at the top of the, the podcast they just have everything about them that I, I, I wouldn't bet against them winning anywhere no. I think the thing with Saris is that they're particularly at the moment you, teams go through peaks and troughs throughout the season they are rampant at the moment yeah. and to give them two, a two games run up to the playoffs to sort of fine tune things they, they, they will absolutely sort it out and you are right, you're right you wouldn't bet against them anywhere in the league in a one-off game but also the other thing is looking at the way Wasps have played over the last few weeks and months is they really need to sort out their defence if they're going to have any chance of being in the mix come that come that final they have to sort out their defence because they keep sh- they, they can score points and they can play as flashy as they like but if they keep shipping them that's not going to look any good totally agree and if Sar- Wasps were to beat Saracens it would be something like 56-55 or something yeah. like that wouldn't yeah. it um, Adam uh, in my opinion I don't know if you agree but um, sail right down near the bottom of the table so too Worcester seen both these teams lately and absolutely thought they were excellent I thought Worcester really had something um, is this the strongest prem- the premiership has been because um, all the way down there's some decent sides it's probably the strongest at 11 um, and I think if the London Irish do come up they'll, they'll probably be a be- uh, better team than Bristol have been this year um, Worcester we were at that Worcester game a couple of weeks ago against Bath they were terrific I don't know what they're doing down 10th and 11th in the premiership um, Sale very hard to beat at home Um Probably should have had some more lads going to Argentina, but that's uh, another matter. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's um, been a very good standard this year. And I think a club like Sale, um, when you look at who they've signed now on five-year contracts at the academy that's producing the the Curry brothers, Sam James, Mike Haley, that they've got they've got a young crop of players there, Josh Beaumont, sure. who could really take that club forward. And actually, I'm not suggesting they might 
win the Premiership as they did back in the day, but they, they can make an imprint for the Premiership in, in the North and really have them challenging at the top of the table. That's The Ruck this week. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you to Adam Hathaway, Alex Lowe, Al Dimmock. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. And Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner. And Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium-sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Six Nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six Nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Okay.